Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hey CLCC, my name is Andrew Evans and I'm one of the leadership council members here at the church. And today is a milestone for our church as we are going to install our new lead pastor, Pastor Troy Nielsen. So we've invited to be with us today, Reverend Len Denbraber from our district office, who's going to lead us through this installation. Hey everybody, it's my privilege to be here with Pastor Troy and Andrea. And as Andrew mentioned, uh, I'm one of the assistant superintendents with the BC and Yukon district. And as you may or may not know, CLCC is part of a fellowship of churches across Canada called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, about 1,100 churches uh, in the nation, and a little over 200 in BC and the Yukon. And so, as I said, it is my great privilege to be here uh, to install your new pastors. Uh, the scriptures remind us uh, that Jesus gave pastors as gifts to his precious church. In fact, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Now, there, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So pastors, of course, are a tremendous gift to the church. Um, and the apostle Paul charges pastors with some sacred responsibilities. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, as fellow elder or pastor, this is my appeal to you. Care for the flock of God that he has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you can get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your good example. And when the head shepherds comes, your reward will be a never-ending share in his glory and honor. And so today I'm going to walk Pastor Troy and Andrea uh, through a charge, really through an encouragement to them to take the responsibilities that, that have already been given to them as lead pastor. And then I'll be walking you as a congregation uh, through a charge as well. And so Pastor Troy and Andrea, before God in this congregation, I charge you with the following sacred responsibilities. First of all, to feed the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Also, to share the absolute truth of God's word uh, with your flock, to strengthen the weak, to seek the lost, and to bring the wayward ones back to Jesus. Not only that, but I charge you to counsel the trouble, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to love the people of God as one who must give an account to our great shepherd. In addition, I charge you to lead this congregation in the paths of God in the way of faith, hope, and love, to lead them forward with vision, to train others for the work of ministry, and to disciple believers becoming more like Jesus. And so, Pastor Troy and Andrea, do you accept this sacred charge? And to you, Christian Life Community Church, uh, I charge you as well with the following responsibilities. First, to receive Pastor Troy and Andrea as God's gift for your edification and as your spiritual shepherd. 
to assist Pastor Troy with his ministerial responsibilities to which he has been called, to defend and protect your pastor from emotional and spiritual harm, in addition to reach the unsaved and serve the needy people of your community and of this city, to give Pastor Troy and Andrea your cooperation, your encouragement, and your partnership in ministry, and to support him with your prayers, your friendship, and faithful involvement in ministry. And so Christian Life Community Church, I encourage you and challenge you to accept this charge. At this time, I'm going to invite the Leadership Council to join us on the platform, and we're going to pray over Pastor Troy and Andrea. So Pastor Troy and Andrea, as your Leadership Council has gathered around you as a symbol of the support and love that Christian Life Community Church uh, has for you, and uh, it's my honor to, to pray over the both of you as you step into this role. And so, Heavenly Father, as we gather around Pastor Troy and Andrea, Lord, as we as a church uh, also surround them with our prayers, we thank you for the call of God on their lives. We thank you that they have responded to that call, that they have been willing to step forward to, first of all, hear your voice. But Lord, we also thank you that you have blessed us, Lord, with them and their leadership. And so, Father, as they step into this role, I pray, O oh God, for Pastor Troy and for Andrea, that they would have wisdom. Lord, that they would have strength. God, that you would give them clarity of thought, mind, and vision. Father, we pray that as they lead, they would lead with confidence, but not in a confidence that comes from a human place, but instead from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And as a church, I just pray that we would come around them and we would pray for them, we would support them, and that we would love them. And Lord, that together we would accomplish uh, all that you would have for us as a church, Lord, to reach this community and beyond. And so, Father, as good as the days have already been, I pray that there would be continued blessing over their ministry, over this church, O oh Lord, and may there just be a, a continued flourishing that would take place as we step into a new day with your blessing over their lives and over this church. And so I pray all of this in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We continue our series on beginnings today. And today, I, I want to give you a little background and history of this thing that we call church. Today, we're going to look at the prediction of it, the beginning of it on opening day and, and the present. And, and we're just going to be taking a little look at what, what we call church over the years. Now, my goal here today is to remember what church should be all about. It shouldn't be all about buildings and services and programs. In, in a few minutes, we're going to see that the church was started as a movement and is still moving. Now, when it comes to movements, I've come to realize that there are Two things, there are two things you can do with a movement. You, you can participate with them or you can watch them go by. My hope, my hope and my prayer is that you will commit to and participate in this movement we call church. Now this, this whole idea of church was actually started in the letter written by Matthew. Ma Matthew records a story where Jesus asks his group a question. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus asks who do they say the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? What's the, what's the word on the street about me? Now, 
I don't recommend you ask this. You, you might not hear something. You might not hear what you really want to hear. Matthew tells us, his disciples say, you know, some people, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist from the dead. Some, some people say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or maybe you're one of the other prophets. Yeah. And then Jesus asks a follow-up question. <laughs> he says this, but now we've heard what they say. Who, who, do, you, who do you say I am? Now, Peter, the, the one who would talk, would talk without thinking sometimes, jumps in and he says, I think. You know what I think? I think you're the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus was impressed. He says in, in verse 17, you, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, let's pause there for a minute. In the New Testament, this word that has been interpreted church is ecclesia. In Greek, it literally means an assembly, a gathering, or congregation. Jesus says, I will build my church, my movement, my gathering, my, my assembly, my congregation. I, this is what I'm building. Now, let's be very clear. Jesus was not building a building or a location. Now, if Jesus were, were basing this on a building, the church would have died with Peter, and you'll see this over time. If, if you study history, there was a drift in this original purpose. Often, the original intention of something drifts to something it was never intended to be. And this is exactly what happened to this word ecclesia. But in this drift, the idea of church that was supposed to mean assembly, a movement, transitioned and it drifted to church meaning the Lord's house. This is a throwback, a throwback to the Old Testament where people gathered at the temple. God lived in the temple. It became a physical location. Now, we know that Jesus knew about temple. Jesus could have called his movement a temple, but he didn't. He called it ecclesia, a movement, an assembly, Jesus, Jesus was changing the way we relate to God. The, the center of what we do, he's saying, doesn't always have to take place in between the walls of a building. Over, over the years, this, the, the, things began to trans, transition slowly from the idea of a simple movement to where the church went into this terrible age of history. In, in this part of history, very few people could read the Bible. Now, just because it wasn't written in a language that they could understand. <laughs> During this time, this little word ecclesia was translated to a different German word, Kirsch. I apologize to my German friends. I probably just killed that word. <laughs> but this word is from the Gauss in 300 AD. This is where we get our English word for church, and it literally meant the Lord's house. But in the early 1500s, this guy named William Tyndale showed up. Tyndale, he, he was a British author and linguistic scholar, and he had this crazy idea. Now, when you hear it, you're going to know right away that that is crazy. Now, here's his idea. This is idea. His idea was to translate the Bible for the average person to understand. I know, right? Crazy. In the 1500s, people had to go to the priest to have the Bible interpreted for them. The average person, the average person like you and me, didn't have multiple Bibles at home that in multiple versions that we just we had but we didn't read. But they didn't they didn't have that. 
But William Tyndale began to translate the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English. This idea was new and radical. And because he did this, he became an outlaw. The, the church leaders were not happy. The church at the time, they, they didn't support having an English translation of the scriptures. Tyndale, he had to move to Germany just to, just to print them off. Then he would smuggle these English Bibles back into England so people could have a physical copy of a Bible. Finally, finally, the average Christian could hold a Bible in their hands in a language that they could understand. They didn't, they, they didn't have to go to a priest and hear it from them. Now, one of the things, one of the things that drove the religious leaders crazy was when he translated the word ecclesia. He translated it to mean congregation, not church or kirsch. For this, for this, the church killed him. But it was, it was too late. It was like this, this the, the picture had gone out. The video was out on the internet. There's no taking it back. The word was out. People had the Bible in a language that they could understand. But let's get back. Let's get back to the beginning of the church in the New Testament. We get to Acts chapter 1. Jesus is gathered with the 11 remaining disciples and Mary and his brothers and maybe, maybe a, a, a hundred others on a hillside. And this is after his death and resurrection. And they ask him in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, Lord, has a time come? Has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus, is, this is the time you're taking over. They thought, they thought God was going to establish his kingdom there on earth. Verse 7, he, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and the very ends of the earth. As he's saying those things, we don't know what this small group of people thought. Like, Jesus, what does power mean? They're standing there with this man who, who's, who's just died and rose again. And, and he's saying, okay, you're, you're going to take this message of me. You're, you're going to take this message to Jerusalem. And they probably think, well, we can do that. We know where Jerusalem is. You're going to take it to Judea. Okay, we know where that is. You're going to take this message to Samaria. They might think, well, wait a minute. We, we don't like to go there. And he says, you're going to take this to the rest of the world. You may have thought, Jesus, do you know how big the world is? Jesus, Jesus could have said, you don't know how the big the rest of the world is. All you understand is the Roman world. There's actually going to be a place in 2023 called British Columbia. And just to give you a heads up, it's not going to be British or Colombian. <laughs> Imagine that. He's saying that this momentum that we're creating is going to touch the rest of the world. Now, I think, I think we need to pause right there because this might be the most significant prophecy. Maybe, maybe Jesus was thinking of CLCC because, because we're a fulfillment of that prophecy. We, we are the rest of the world. This movement that was started 2,000 years ago reached us. That's amazing. This story goes on to Acts chapter 2. and They, they began to pray together. And two weeks later, there was this Jewish celebration called Pentecost. A lot of people were gathered together in Jerusalem. Jewish, Jewish people from different regions of the known world were there for this holiday. 
while the followers of Jesus were meeting, the, the Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way, just as Jesus predicted in Acts 1. The Holy Spirit manifested in a way where the people were able to speak different languages of the people around them. They were, they were receiving the, the power that Jesus predicted. People who traveled from all over heard their own language testifying about the Christ. This is what the message was. This movement that was started by the death and resurrection of Jesus is for you. The church was started so people would understand that Jesus knows other people's language. And he can speak to them through you. Because many people heard this. Maybe many people heard this happening, this language speaking in their own language. And they think, how can you speak my language? You're Galilean and you don't know my language story continues in verse 12. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? What can this mean? They asked each other. The crowd was split. Some, some thought that they were drunk because it's, it's only nine in the morning. Well, we've come to realize that there was this phrase in the first century that was well known back then. We're just discovering now. It says something like this, whatever happens in Jerusalem stays in Jerusalem. Okay, I, I made that part up. But some people thought that these people couldn't talk because they'd, they'd just been partying too long. It's, it was a part of the celebration. They just couldn't talk. Then others thought, they're not drunk. They're not, they're not babbling. They're, they're speaking my language. It's real because this guy who doesn't know my dialect, not just my language, but my dialect, is totally speaking this language, my, my language, correctly. The author the author is telling us that this wasn't, this, this movement just wasn't for the Jews or the people in Jerusalem. It was for the whole world, and the church was starting right there. Peter, you know, this, this guy who's quick to talk, thinks this is time for the very first sermon in the church on the very first day, right at the beginning. He's fulfilling Jesus' prediction of, from Matthew 16 that we just read that this movement would be built on him. Now, just a little background on Peter. Peter really wanted to do everything that Jesus did. He, he was the guy that saw Jesus walk on water and he thought, well, I can walk. So he, he tried it. He'd seen Jesus preach to massive crowds and he thinks, well, it can't be that hard. I can talk too. I can do that. So he begins to preach. And don't forget, this is opening day of the church right at the beginning. Peter starts his message. After all this happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he says this, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Verse 23, But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Today we might say, um, Peter, uh, that's not really politically correct. Do you want to rephrase that? Peter, you got to be careful. You're, you're going to get canceled. Don't get canceled, Peter. <laughs> now remember, remember, Peter's recalling some recent history. He wasn't, he wasn't telling a story of like, remember, it wasn't a remember when time. It wasn't a remember when our grandparents used to tell us stories about their grandparents from years ago. Peter goes on to teach this crowd about the death and resurrection of Jesus that had just 
happened. There might have been people in the crowd who, who witnessed the death of Jesus. Christians from the very beginning were to remember an event that Jesus came back to life. When Jesus, when Peter was preaching, when he was, when he was sharing, he, he wasn't recalling history from decades or even centuries ago, but two months ago. Many in the crowd that day, they, they probably could have said, Jesus of Nazareth? Oh, I was, I was there one day. Maybe somebody else said, yeah, I, I heard of him. He healed one of my friends. This wasn't distant history. And I'm sure as he's sharing this, a, a hush fell on the crowd. Uh, as I'm telling this story, I hope you're trying to understand this tension. This is opening day of the local church. <laughs> Many of us, when, when we think church, we think attend church. We think that we need to find a good church. We say church was really good today, but on opening day, if you were to use those phrases, they wouldn't have made any sense because the church didn't have a place. It was a gathering around a simple message that Jesus is for everyone. Luke continues his story in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Luke records, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to other apostles, brothers, what, what should we do? Now that we know what we know, and we want to change. The crowd was moved that day when Peter shared that they were a part of the death of Jesus, and they wondered, now that we believe, now that we're a part of this movement, now that we're a part of the church, what should we do? Peter replied, find a good church to attend regularly. No, he didn't say that. But maybe that's what we'd say today. Verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Do you know who the you are? <laughs> the you that Peter mentions? It's you and it's me and it's our kids that maybe you don't even have yet. And our kids' kids and their kids' kids' kids. Peter, Peter's saying this isn't a Jerusalem thing or a generation thing. This thing, this message is for everyone, all who are far away, geographically, time-wise. This generation will die, but this message goes beyond that. It's for all who have been called by the Lord. On a side note, I love the fact that, that this happens so close to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because some of them that day could have said, I, I could take you to the place where we crucified Jesus. It's not far away. Now, if this story of Jesus rising from the dead was made up, if there was a body, they could have said, hey, stop this. I, I can not only take you to the hill that he died on, but I'll take you to his body. This is only two months after this happened. If there was a body, don't you think someone would have produced one? But that didn't happen. Peter was fulfilling the words of Jesus, the one who died and rose again, that he was starting this movement that is called the church. Opening day for the church was big. It was powerful. It was dynamic. Luke records that thousands of people responded that day by saying, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. But as we look back on that, it raises some questions. 
Is the church still what Jesus intended? Are, are we what Jesus intended? Are, are you a part of this movement? Are you a Christian that just goes to church? Or are you a Christian who is taking this movement in, into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the very ends of the world? Are you, are you participating in this movement? Or are you just watching it go by? When this movement started, it wasn't about location or what songs you sing or what program you participate in. It was a gathering around the idea that Jesus died and he rose again and he's here for you. When Ecclesia first started out, it wasn't for church people. It wasn't about making church people happy because there weren't any church people. This, this movement wasn't about tradition or style of music. It was about movement. It was going and getting this message of Jesus to the people near and far. Isn't it? I think it's great to realize that we don't need a building for you to be the church. It's great to realize when, when you gather together as a family around the dinner table in Jesus' name, you are gathering together as the church. When you gather together in your life groups, when you're sitting kneecap to kneecap in circles and you're opening it up to each other and you're praying together, you're gathering together as a church. When you volunteer at your kid's school, you know the one that's banned prayer, you're the church. You don't have to, you don't have to be in what we think of as a special building to share this message of Jesus. I don't know what, I don't know what you feel or what you think when you hear the word church. But I hope, my hope today is you would understand that this movement is for the entire world. I hope today that we will never slide back into thinking that it's a place and to remember the church is a movement. Makes me ask myself, how much time do I think that, that the church is for my neighbors? Good news is I know my neighbor's language. What if, what if we took to heart that the church is one of the only organizations that exists for people who don't participate yet? How would we live? How would we live if we understood that maybe, maybe the only reason that people haven't come to trust in Jesus is because no one has talked to them in a language that they understand. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not talking about English because I think we've all heard communication that just doesn't connect with us. But are we connecting with them? Jesus sent people into other people's orbits. How are we getting into the world that we live, work, study, and play with? What would it look like? What would it look like this week if we thought of ways we can be a part of the movement that is still moving? What would it look like if we learned other people's languages and showed them the love of Jesus in a way that they understand? Let me pray for you today. Lord, my prayer this week is that we would be reminded that we are the church. We are what you intended, this, this movement of people who are going into their worlds and sharing this amazing message that Jesus died and rose again and has a plan for their lives. So God, we thank you at the beginning of this brand new season of our church that you, are, you continue to call us to be that shining light to our neighbors, the people we live, work, study, and play with. Give us that bright, that, that insight today, that, that fresh idea of how we can share a language that they understand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope to see you back here next time.
Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca slash give. See you later.